Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Anybody at all? Praise God. We've got one, two, three, four. Who else? Anybody else? Let me look around. I don't ever look behind me. Let me look behind me today. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead, Sister Pat. Give that out. Thank you, Jesus. Now, every penny, every dime, every dollar that you have need of, the needs of the church to possess property, buy land, and build a building, the personal need that you have, every dime, every dollar, that which is in your business, that which is in your life, your family, uh, that which you need to buy, that which you need to sell, all that you desire, Today, a great flow of finances has begun. It began 2,000 years ago in the spirit realm. But now it's catching up with you. Catching up with you. Catching up with you. Catching up with you. As you've given and walked in faith and declared and believed God. Know this day that everything you need is going to come into your hands. Everything you need is going to come into your possession. And you shall not lack and you shall not want for any good thing. For this day, the increase has begun. So declare it, receive it, believe it, and rejoice in it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, beautiful. Hallelujah. Psalms 139 this morning. Some of the basic, what we're calling the basics, the ABCs of faith or Christianity. Understanding things about the Lord. Psalms 139. Now, God desires that each and every one of us build a life of faith upon what the Bible calls revelation knowledge. Now, this is not knowledge that is obtained uh, intellectually. This is knowledge that's given to us by God. Uh, remember the story over there in Matthew chapter 16 when uh, Jesus asked his disciples, he said, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? Uh, they said, Well, some say you're uh, Jeremiah or uh, Isaiah, one of the prophets, John the Baptist. Uh, but then he turned uh, to Peter and said, But who do you say that I am? Peter spoke up and said, Thou art the Christ, uh, the Son of the living God. And Jesus turned to him and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father that's in heaven. So that shows us that that was not educated into Peter's mind. Uh, he did not get that through the observation of miracles. Uh, the observation of miracles uh, caused all of the men in the first question to be wrong. He wasn't Jeremiah. He wasn't Elijah. He wasn't one of the prophets nor John the Baptist. He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. So there is an impartation of revelation knowledge that comes from God. That's why it's so important to come to church. To also read the Bible. Study and meditate on the word of God. Because at any moment God could unveil something to you. Reveal something to you. I remember years ago. Many years ago. 
oh Lord, I, I would say maybe even 25 years ago, at, at Christmas, at our, at our family Christmas gathering, uh, my parents had a home up in Lamarck at the time. All of our family was there. Uh, my dad asked me to read the, uh, the Christmas story out of Luke uh, 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 chapter 2. And so I went back there and got, I think it was either his Bible, or I remember it was an Oral Roberts Bible, so it was, I think it was his or, or my mom's Bible. And I began to read, and I began to, uh, basically before I began to read chapter 2, I just thought, well, I'll just start at the beginning and read chapter 1. And while I was reading in chapter 1, and got over to the incarnation where, where Jesus was uh, uh, conceived in the womb of Mary, uh, uh, from that point, I believe it's verse 26 through the rest of that chapter. I mean to tell you, it's like the Holy Ghost sat down on the inside of me and unveiled that entire thing. Now I took that message and preached it all over the world. All over the world. About, you know, how, how she uh, cast in her mind what manner of salutation it should be. How uh, she considered the impossibility. Then God included more word and the power of the Holy Ghost. And then finally Mary came to the point where she made a spiritual statement. Be it unto thy handmaiden according to thy word. And Jesus was conceived in her womb. And how that's the same thing takes place with all of us. When God tells us things that many times we cast in our mind. Or we consider the impossibilities. But when it gets past our mind and into our spirit... It it gets to be something that's revealed by God. God visits. God unveils. The word revelation means to uncover from the source. Now I want you to know this morning. If you know in your heart that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. You have revelation knowledge. And you have the most important element. You have the most important part of that revelation knowledge. Because all other revelation knowledge in the word of God. Finds its foundation in the reality that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Amen. Amen. So, I'm trusting that today, revelation knowledge will flow. Because many of you need a revelation in this area. Because if you can get a revelation in this area, it'll revolutionize your life. So many Christians suffer with a poor God image. And because they suffer with a poor God image, they suffer with a poor self-image. You know, the Bible says uh, to love others as we love ourselves. <laughs> well, sometimes that's a problem. Because if you don't like yourself and you go around trying to love others like you love yourself, you get yourself in trouble. Amen. But you've got to understand something about God and about the love of God. Because so much of our love that we give and receive is based on performance. But when it comes to God, you must understand this, and we're going to study this in the Word this morning. When it comes to God, God loves you. Period. Not God loves you because you're a pastor. Not God loves you because you obeyed God 30 years. Not God loves you because you, you're a great minister, you're a great music, uh, uh, musician, or because you work in the nursery, or you do this, you do No, God loves you, period, period, period. God loves you, period. That's the end of it. God loves you. He loves you as much. You name the greatest minister you've ever heard of, ever known, Billy Graham, Oral Roberts, whoever. God loves you just as much. God loves you as much today as the day that you were the worst sinner you could be. And when you begin to un understand some things about the love of God, it builds a trust in you. There is an undeniable trust in God that you can have when you realize God loves you beyond your ability to be loved. Now let me say that again. God loves you beyond your ability to be loved. You know, a husband can only love his wife to the level that she can be loved. That she will let 
him love her. The same way with a wife toward her husband. The same, the same way with husband to a child. God's not like that. God loves you beyond your ability to be loved or to receive love. or to, He loves you. Now, Psalms 139. Let's start there. Then we'll go to Ephesians. I've got about 25 minutes. I think we can get it done. Look at Psalms 139. Now, this is David. Now, this is in the latter years of his life. Now, listen how he writes. He says in verse 1, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. That means before my thought even gets to me, you know what it is. Amen. It says, Thou compassest my path, my path and my lying down. Thou art acquainted, acquainted with all my ways. Now, you know what he's saying? He's saying, Lord, you know me better than I know myself. You know my getting up. You know my sitting down. You, my, you know when I lay down at night. You know my thoughts before they get to my mind. You know me better than I know myself. Now notice what he goes on to say here. It says, it says, For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. You know what I've said. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm going to say. Isn't that amazing? It says, Thou hast beset me behind and before. Thou hast laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. David's saying, I, I, Lord, I, I just can't understand it. You, I just can't. I was, I, was, I, was, I was the youngest son. I was the youngest son. I wasn't the eldest son. I wasn't the favored son. I wasn't the blessed son. I was the youngest son. You took me out from the sheep. You, you let me kill a giant. You made me king over Israel. I made mistakes, but you redeemed me. I had problems, but you blessed me. I just, uh, you, knew, you knew who I was before I ever was became who I was. You knew the thoughts before they came to my... You know everything about me, past, present, and future. The, the knowledge is too wonderful. It's, it's just so, it's so far beyond me, I, I can't attain to it. Now notice what he says. It says, whether I go from, the, whether I go from thy spirit... Or whether I flee from thy presence. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take up wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall be thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall light about me. Yea, the darkness, darkness hideth not from thee. But the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both like unto thee. He's saying, ain't no place I can hide. Some of, you, some of you, you've tried to hide from God in your life and in your past. There ain't no place you can hide. You can't go to the darkest place. You can't go somewhere out in the sea. You can't say, Lord, I'm going to hide from you. I'll hide in the darkness. God, I'll say, God says, I'll take the darkness and turn it into the light. I'll turn it into the light. You can't hide from me. One, one translation says, I am pursuing you. And in the, in the true Hebrew it says, I'm coming after you like a man would come after a maid that's ravished with her beauty and in love with her. I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you. God is coming after you. I heard the testimony. Of, uh, actually, I met this guy. I met him out of out, out of his church. I never preached there. I met him when I was down in San Diego. I went up to his church in, in Anaheim, and he raised up a, a, a very large church real quick, and with a lot of street people and and and, and bikers and all kinds of people. I had a great ministry, and then he kind of got away from the Lord for a few years. 
Now, he made this statement after he was restored and God blessed him. I heard him make this statement. He said, you know, I ran from God. I had some disappointments in my ministry and some, some personal disappointments. And I, so I just ran from God. And I, and I thought, God's finished with me. God's through with me. You know, here I had this great church and everybody's being blessed. They used to literally shut down the inner city there. And the, and the police would come and put up blockades because so many people would come to his church uh, from all over. that the, the, the city would have to go put up blockades and just shut down all the interior of the city. But then he got away from God. And he thought, no, I've, I've, I've blown it. I've disappointed God. And I've, he said he'd go to this particular bar. It was a biker. This guy was a biker. He said, I'd go to this particular bar. And he said, I'd go in the bar. And everybody would be drinking, crowds. They'd be playing all this music. He said, I'd go back in the bathroom. I'd be feeling so dejected. I'd be standing. And he said, somebody would come up to me and say, Pastor, could you pray for me? <laughs> Pastor, could you pray? And he said, I knew God was pursuing me everywhere I went. He said, I went, to the dark, went back to the drugs, went back to that. He said, I couldn't run. Couldn't run fast enough couldn't hide in the darkest place. He said, everywhere I went, God, God was there. Everywhere I went, God was there. A friend of mine was preaching a meeting. This was over in, I believe it was in, in Arkansas, up around Little, the Little Rock area. And a man came who was married. There was a man and a woman that were married. They were both strippers at the same club. Club had male and female strippers. And so the man came to the meeting and got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And so he got so inspired that he went to the club where his wife was dancing. She was up on the platform. She came down, sat on a bar stool, and he told her, I met God tonight. Do you want to meet her? And she said, yeah. And he reached out and grabbed her, and she fell out under the power of God on the floor in a strip club. Now, both of those two people are in the ministry today. They're both in the ministry today. You say, what do you mean? God loves you. He will come after you. He will do everything he can do. He will pursue you and come after you and come after you and come after you. Listen, the world has an unrealistic view of God and the, and the love of God. Look, they look at the disasters. They look at the tsunamis, the hurricanes. They look at the death, the, the babies that are born the way they are. And they think, well, God could do something about that, but he's not doing nothing. He's not a very good person. He's not a very nice person because I would do something about that. No, God's done all he can do. He sent his only begotten son as a manifestation as of his love toward the whole world. And it's not until you understand how much God loves you. It must be a revelation. Your mind cannot grasp it. You cannot say, well, I went to this Bible school or that Bible school or sat in this meeting. No, you've got to say, God, reveal to me the unmeasurable dimensions of your love. Now, notice, let me, let me look here a little more and then we'll go on. It says, I like verse 13. It says, for thou hast possessed my reign. That's the greatest day of your life. You say, what do you mean? When you can stand up and say, God, you have possessed my reign. You know what the rest talking about? The, like the reins of a horse. When you have the reins of a horse, you got control. God says, go this way, you go this way. God says, go that way, you go that way. God says, turn around, you turn it all around. Whatever it takes. God, you have possessed my reins. You are now the one in control. People say, well, God controls everything. No, he doesn't. God only controls that which you allow him to control. This world is out of control. Out of control in sin. Out of control in unrighteousness. My goodness, they're calling light, dark, and dark light. Good, bad, bad, good. We live in the most confused, messed up world that the world has ever been. I mean, look at what's going on today. But he says, no, you've, you, you, you've taken my reins. You possess the reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. 
and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secretly and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Then mine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Now let me, that's a lot of King James, these, thou's, and this is, here's what God's saying. You had a blueprint of me before I was ever born. You not only had a blue, you had a blueprint of my physical body. You wrote it down in a book. You knew before Jesse, my father, was ever born. You knew before I was in the womb of my mother. You knew I would be king of Israel. You knew my destiny. You knew my plan. You knew the plan. that you-, you knew everything you knew. See, God knows that about all of us. We're the ones that resist it. We're the ones that cause it not to happen. We're the ones that fight against it. But we need to be the ones that yield to it and say, Lord, take my reins. You've got a blueprint. It's not a blueprint that's shelved somewhere in heaven. You took it out and you wrote it out and you begin to make provision and plans for me before I was ever born you love me that much so when you begin to discover how much God loves you you begin to gain some self value not has nothing to do with selfishness has nothing to do with us becoming selfish people but it becomes a, it behooves us to become the people that God values so much that no matter how many mistakes you've made no matter how many problems you have no matter how far far down you have fallen you know that God loves you enough there's enough mercy there's enough grace there's enough blessing there's enough restoration in God to raise you up to heal you and to make you better than you've ever been and to restore to you everything you've lost he loves you that much now go to Ephesians let's look at two verses in Ephesians and then let's try to get to Romans go to Ephesians real quick anybody ever made a mistake thought God didn't love them anymore that's a lie God still loves you God still cares about you Ephesians chapter 2 now notice this let me get over there Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. And you, everybody say me. Hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now he begins to show us our condition before we got saved. This is our spiritual condition in Adam. We were dead in trespasses and sins, separated from God. Where in times past you walked. This was your lifestyle. You walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Before you were saved, you were a child of disobedience. Among whom we all had our conversation. That's the word lifestyle. We all had our lifestyle in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as others. Now, When man fell, when Adam fell in the garden, our nature changed. Our nature was not toward God. Listen, don't do this. If you end up in a situation where you have to, do it very very reservedly. But if you ever have to do a study of ancient cultures, the, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Egyptians, the Romans, the Greeks, my goodness, you talk about despicable. You talk about murderous, yielding to every physical impulse and lust. 
Uh, there was a certain Bible that I have that gives a lot of commentary. Talks about the uh, different things that went on during the day. And a lot of it about Rome because a lot that went on in the New Testament happened during the time in which Rome was over uh, 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 Israel. Israel was, uh, an arm, I mean, Rome was an army of occupation in Israel. The Romans were out of their minds. Even just take one thing. Just take eating. Here's how they ate. They went to great feasts. They took these tables and they, they, they filled these huge tables full of food. And they came in and gorged and gorged and gorged and ate and gorged and gorged. Then they went to the vomitorium. In which in the vomitorium were long feathers taken off of peacocks. Which you went in there and stuck it down your throat and threw up so you could go back and gorge and gorge and gorge. And they did it day after day after day after day. Now we're not going to talk about sexual things or stuff like that. Because that's way beyond even mentioning in a Christian crowd. But when you look at those ancient cultures, you would think... What in the world? Why would God want to even do anything other than send a flaming comet from the sun and burn this bunch of heathens up? Is there anything redeemable? Now, it's not what you do, what you've done, or what you're going to do. Now, let me say that again. It's not what you do, what you've done, or what you're going to do. It's who you are. That's why God loves you. He made you in his likeness. He made you in his image. You are his child once you got born again. And you must understand, he loves you with a love you can't even understand. You've got to experience. You've got to know it. You've got to understand. You've got to experience it. Amen? Now, let me, let me go back to the book here. Look what it says. It says back in verse uh, 3, among whom we also had our lifestyle in times past, the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in his mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Let's do it in the Amplified. But God, so rich is he in mercy, because of, and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful, intense love with which he loved us. So you've got to see your heavenly father. You've got to see God on the inside of him. Is this burning, bubbling, flowing, ever increasing desire. This love for you. For who you are. He loves you just where you are. Now, no, he wants better for you. He wants you to renew your mind. He wants you to walk by faith. He wants you to feel, fulfill the call of God. He wants you to do all of those things. But God loves you besides all of that. He cares for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to heal. All of those things he wants to do for you is encompassed in his love. He has done more about getting your prayer answered than you can ever do. He's done more about getting you saved than you could ever do. He's done more about getting you healed than you could ever do. He's done more about getting you prospered than you could ever do. He's already setting up things for you. He's already doing things for you. He's already laid out a blueprint, and he's hoping if they'll just stay on the blueprint, if they'll just stay on that path of all oh, the blessing they'll have next month, all oh, the blessing they'll have next year, all oh, the blessing in five, oh, just stay on the blueprint, stay on the path. God has great things for you because he loves you. Now notice, go to, just, just turn a page over that, that great prayer in Ephesians 3. Look at this. 
Ephesians 3 verse, verse 14. Paul prays, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now listen, you've got to understand, we're part of a family. There's a family, but we're divided right now. Some of us are in heaven. Some of us are on earth. But listen, God doesn't love the family in heaven any more than he loves the one on earth. God is not an unequal God. God, the Bible says, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. That means there's no false balance in him. That means if he's made full provision, oh, if you get a hold of this, it'll change your life. If he's made full provision, boy, up in heaven, they're rejoicing. They're having a great time. They're not sweating the light bill or the water bill. They're not worried about recession or depression. They're not worried about none of that. They're just worshiping God. He's made full provision. Well, don't you think he's made full provision for us? We shouldn't be sweating the light bill. We shouldn't be worrying about recession or depression. We ought to just be glorifying God just like they're doing in heaven right now. Praising and glory. Why? Because he loves us. He cares about us. Now notice, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now notice, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Now listen, listen, you've got to get this today. If you were only rooted and grounded in the love that you could produce toward God, how rooted and grounded would you be? First little wind that blew, we'd all be gone. First little problem. He's talking about being rooted and grounded in God's love. It's only God's love that can root you and ground you. Recognize. What, what, what was the offering scripture? David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. A lot of people think, well, God will forsake me. If my performance is not up to the faith level, then God will forsake me. I gave you a great illustration this morning when I took the offering. I didn't walk in faith after I gave that offering. I was basically fearful, afraid, and wondering if I was going to make it through Christmas time. But that did not stop the mercy of God and the love of God from giving us the biggest offering of the year and showing God saying, it doesn't matter what you do. You just obey me. I'll take care of you. I'll not forsake you. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. He's not going to forsake you. So because of that kind of love, we can get rooted and grounded. The Bible says faith worketh by love. Let me ask you a question. If it was by only the love you could produce, how much faith would you have? We might believe God for a pair of socks instead of a building and land. Amen. No, no, that's the love of God on our behalf. That God loves us so much, he gives us revelation knowledge, he'll give us the faith, he is the author and finisher of it, he'll cause us to believe it, then he'll bring it to pass. That's how much he loves you. He don't want you out there working and laboring in some kind of religious cult. He is the author, he is the finisher, he is the alpha, he is the omega, he is the beginning, he is the He just wants you along for the ride. Now, you want to go a little deeper in this? Anybody getting, get, getting some help this morning? See, a lot of you right now, you've just got a poor God image. And we're going to help that image because if you can get a better God image, it's going to help you. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love, in agape, in the God kind of love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Now notice this. What is the breadth, length, depth, and height? Those are measurements. And to know, that's the word experience, and to experience the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. That means your mind is not going to get this. 
This does what? This, this flies past knowledge. I mean, I'm going to go to Bible school, find me a love class. And they're going to teach me about love. And I'm going to be all fixed up. No, 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 no. God will come and unveil his love as you experience it. Let me, just, let me just put it to you. Have you ever failed? Have you ever blown it? Have you ever messed up? And how many times have you done that? And God has been right there to pick you up every time. And even the times you weren't even sincere. You knew you were going to mess up again. You knew you were going to blow it again. You knew you were going to go right back like a dog to his vomit. The Bible says you went right back to it. And God was still there like you never did it in the first place. Come on, church. Like you never did it in the first place. He was still there in mercy and in love and in grace. That you may be able to know the, which path is knowledge. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, real quick. Oh, my time's up. Go to Romans 8. Just in time. Now, look at Romans 8. We'll close with this. If you, if you go away with one thing this morning, and that is this. God loves me. No matter what. No matter what. No, no. But pastor, I, no, no, no. No but pastor. No yeah buts. No, 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 no. God loves me. If you can walk out of here saying, God loves you, you've got something. You've got a revelation this morning. Verse 32. He that spared not his own son. Romans chapter 8. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that's justified, the God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen, who is even at the right hand of, of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, our nakedness, our peril, our sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, for we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Now see, people read that and they think, well, there it is right there, preacher. There it is right there. We're, we die all the day long. We're just accounted as sheep for the slaughter. I've heard guys preach this. I'm telling you, God, he'll get your attention when you're laying flat on your back in the hospital with that chemotherapy dripping into your veins and you're screaming because they can't get the pain to die. I care. You'll work. You'll serve God then. No, you won't. You won't serve God then. I've heard people preach just like that. They take this scripture. That is not what this is. Listen, listen. This is in the Bible, but it's not truth. It's just in the Bible. There's a lot of things in the Bible. I remember the guy, uh, I've told the story several times. He'd always just kind of open the Bible and point to a scripture, and that'd be his revelation for the day. So he did that one time, and, and he pointed, and he looked down and said, and Judas hanged himself. He said, well, I don't know, I'm get anything out of that. So he thumbed again, put his finger down, and he says, and go ye and do likewise. <laughs> now, it's in the Bible. Now, this is in the Bible, but you've got to listen to it. We're not trying to tell you what it says. Listen to what it says. It says this. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of God, from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, as it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep, but for the slaughter. What's the next word? First word in verse 37. No, nay, no. Paul is saying, no, no. We're not accounted sheep for the slaughter. We're not dying all day long. No, love, the love of God is on us. Tribulation can't get it. Distress can't get it. Persecution can't get it. Famine can't get it. Nakedness can't get it. Peril of sword can't get it. Cancer can't get it. Depression can't get it. Addiction can't get it. 
Failure can't get it. Nothing, nothing can get it. Says no, no, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors in him, uh, through him, that. You know what he's saying? He's saying, look. He's saying there's always somebody trying to talk you out of the love of God because of your failures. That's what they're doing. Well, you're naked. That proves God doesn't love you. You're hungry, God. That proves God doesn't love you. You're in distress. That proves God doesn't love you. You're, you're in turmoil. You got diagnosed with something. You went through something in a marriage. You went through something in a business. You went through something in a ministry. That's proof God doesn't love you. Paul is saying, no. No, absolutely not. You can always turn back to the love of God. Because you can't even separate yourself. You say, I'm going to hide. What did we read in, verse, in Psalms 139? I'll hide in the dark. I'll hide in the bars. I'll hide, I'll hide in the drugs. I'll hide in, the, I'll hide in success. I'll hide in money. I'll hide. I'll hide. I'll hide. You cannot hide from the love of God. And then when you fail, God does not pull his love back from you. He says, no, you're still more than a conqueror. Still greater is he that is in you than he that's in the earth. Get up. Dust yourself off. Get up out of the dirt. Get up out of the mire. Repent. Get forgiven. And go on into the love of God. He loves you and cares for you more than you, have, more than you love and care for yourself. Amen. See, people are always allowing the enemy. And that's who does it. That's what the devil does. He'll get in your mind and he'll start painting this. He ain't no good. God knows what you thought. He knows what you saw. He knows what you read. He knows what you said. He knows what you did. So you're saying that your negative behavior is bigger than God's love. You're not that bad. I've had people tell me, I've invite, we're always inviting people to come to church. We run into people. One of the guys I grew up, I was talking to, he said, I tell you what, preacher, if I walked into your church, the angels would fall over dead. I looked him right in the eye and I said, Brother, let me tell you something. Your sin ain't that big. He kind of looked at me like, What do you mean? I said, You ain't that, you're not that bad. There ain't nobody on this planet that bad. God is not shocked. God is not overwhelmed. God is not offended. God is not mad. God is not upset. People say, I read that Old Testament. That's a mean, mad God right there, buddy. I tell you, sneeze at him and he'll put frogs all over you you got to get in the right area of the book. you got to begin to figure out where you're living. You're not living in Egypt. You're not living back in that day in which they had a covenant in which God was just rescuing them out of that which they were into. We live in a covenant now based on better promises, based on what God has done for us by what? Sending His love child, Jesus Christ, the manifestation of the love of God. For God so loved you that He sent His only begotten Son that all you got to do is believe on him and all that enormous reservoir of his love is poured into your life thank God for faith I'm a faith teacher thank God for the Holy Ghost thank God for the gifts but if we've got only one thing to depend on one thing to lean on it's going to be what God loves us God loves us God loves us. We've made mistakes. God loves us. We've blown it. God loves us because the devil can't talk you out of that love. Now let me close with this. Once you get a revelation in you, you know, God loves me. He really does. I can see it. I've made some mistakes. I've blown it. I've had some problems, but I'm still here. And now some doors may be opening or this may be happening. Or this. Why would God even do that? 
because he loves you. Once you get a revelation of how much God loves you, you will begin to value yourself. You will begin to see yourself as something valuable. Because that's the way God sees you. God sees you as something valuable. When you begin to value yourself, you can begin to love yourself. So here's, here's kind of, can I, can I use this illustration? Here's kind of the formula. Number one, we see God and we see how much He loves us and we receive that love. And when we see God and see how much He loves and receive that love, then we begin to love ourselves. And once you begin to love yourself, you know what you can do then? You can love me. And I can love you. How are you going to love me? How am I going to love you if neither one of us loves ourselves? If we think God's mad at us, wants to beat us up and slap us down every time we make a mistake. Amen. I'm not talking about some kind of greasy grace or nothing like that. I'm talking about reality. No, God loves you. You're valuable to God. You can go into the mirror and you can look and you say, you know, God loves me. I'm worth something to God. I may not see the fullness of that myself right now, but because God loves me, well, you know, I, I better start thinking a little better about myself. I've done some dumb things. I've made some mistakes. Okay, praise God. That's under the blood. That's done away with. I am forgiven. I am free in Jesus' name. Therefore, I value myself. I love myself. And because I love myself, you know, when I get dressed on Sunday morning, and when I get dressed on Wednesday night, and when I get dressed on Sunday night, and at the outreach, and, and when we go to the jail ministry, and when we go on mission trips, and when I get around other believers, you know what I can do? I can love my brothers and sisters in Christ. Now you're not loving them with a human love. You're not loving them with a love based on performance. You're loving them like God loves you. Amen. When they make mistakes, you forgive. Amen. You believe the best of every person. You walk in love toward one another. What is, isn't it amazing that God says the world will know us not by how many miracles that are done, not by how many signs and wonders that are done, not by how big the building is, not by how many people are coming, but God says the world will know you by the love you have, not the love you have toward God, not the love God has for you, but the love you have one toward another. You know what he's saying? The only way the world can see the love I have toward you is for them to see it in you and through you. So we take the love we have toward one another. We love God. We love ourselves. We love one another. Then we take that love to the world. Now the world can't resist that love. You say, why? Because it's the real thing. See, we've tried to do just the opposite. We've tried to love God and go to the world. What do you think about your brother? <laughs> Don't need them. Don't like them. Don't want them. Amen. Like the guy that didn't want to go to church. Y'all heard that story. The guy didn't want to go to church. Mother got him up and said, you need to get ready to go to church. She said, no, I'm going to go to church. And people hate me. I don't like them. They don't like me. Get up and go to church. Come on, Sunday morning. I'm not going to church. I hate those people. They hate me. I don't like them. They don't like me. Get up and go to church. He said, give me one reason I should get up and go to church. Mom, mom looked at him and said, you're the pastor. <laughs> Amen. No, 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 no. You've got to make a decision. I am not going to run from God any longer. 
I'm not running from his love. Lord, put your arms around me. Love me. Let my life be a testimony and a demonstration. Not a great man of faith. Oh, great man of power. Oh, anointed of the... No, let my life be an example of somebody that you have loved. Somebody that your love has touched and I've become so overwhelmed with your love. You pursued me when I went to the dark places. You kept coming after me. When I went other places, you just can't until you finally caught me with your love and you embraced me and you said, I'm going to bless you and heal you and prosper you and make your life better than you could ever make it for yourself. And when people see your life and you tell them, all I can tell you is this, God loves me and he loves you the same way. You may not have experienced what I've experienced, but you can experience. All you have to do is take his love gift. His name is Jesus. And that makes the gospel the easiest message in the world to preach. Sure, we've had failures, letdowns, all kinds of stuff has happened. And let me just, (laughs) I'm not a bearer, bearer of bad news, but things will continue to happen. But who shall separate us? What shall separate us? Nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. Amen. Lift your hands up and worship Him this morning. Father, we worship you. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.